two hairs and some air that Bob talks about where it just takes away the brush stroke somehow. Mm. But that's a different technique, all different equipment. That's what I was getting to before. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the TF Cast. I'm Willis. Hey, Grum here. It is the 27th of September today in the Solarium. And I am your host, Jacob Aces. Today with us, we have artist Max Adams. I was talking with Max the other day, and he was telling me about how he was excited about the upcoming show, at the Juried Art Show at the Carnegie Art Center, and I figured no better time to have him on and chat about his work as an artist and uh, plug that show, too. Cool. Max, uh, introduce yourself to the audience and tell us what's going on. Very good. My name is Max Adams, um, local starving artist. Uh, we talked about going to the Carnegie for the Jerry Dart Show, which the opening is uh, October 6th from 5 to 7. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's uh, like a... It's there's a, a bunch of artists in that there's, show, right? Out of 177 entries, I think he told me there was 77 that were accepted, and mine was one of them. Cool. Awesome. So one out of 77, you'll get to come and see. It could be up to 35 different artists, because every artist got to enter two pieces okay. if they wanted to. Sick. Wow. Well, um, how about you start off by just telling us a little bit about the work that you entered and then maybe segue into like historically what kind of work you've done and what's motivated you as an artist? Well, I entered two pieces and one got accepted. The, the one that got accepted is actually academic work. So it's from 2003 to 2006, somewhere in there. If I had to date it, I would say 20XX because I don't know exactly where it's at. Mm-hmm. I know it was uh, one of the last pieces I did for my academic work where I uh, studied up at MSU here at the art department for like six years. Okay. Studied under Ria Mingiva. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. Um, Brian Frank. Mm-hmm. Um I forget the lady's name, but her last name was Johnson. She was a drawing instructor. Hmm. She was uh, the president of the art department's daughter at the time. I don't remember what her name how, how was. Did the, uh, how did the piece come about then, or, or what can we... What can it we started out it? as a collaborative effort between me and another person. Okay. And then uh, when it when it didn't really take off as such as a collaborative effort, I just took the whole thing and made it all my own because it wasn't really, uh, collaborations and commissions haven't been my strong point. Like working with other artists or working with somebody who wants something super specific, Mm. not been my strong point. Sure. Uh, could you speak a little bit to like what kind of things you have pulled as your as your strong point? Like when you went went away from doing that collaborative work on this specific piece, like what strength did you lean into? What strength did I lean into in terms of uh, what I had to take to get it done, or what I had to give? To yeah, get it you know, kind of when you you said you took it over from it being a collaborative piece, like what did you lean into after it stopped being that? 
just uh, experimenting more with the colors I had and the palette I was using. It was um, when I when I when I took it for my own, I felt like I almost had to abstract it, hmm. and that's when I really started getting into non-representational and abstract work, and using different equipment like. Um, uh, a palette knife as opposed to a paintbrush mm -hmm. or even like a generic screed that you made yourself. You can scrape paint over the canvas. Yeah. That's more non-representational or abstract, which are, they're two different things in my head all the time. When you see an abstract piece of work, you have to have something there before that to abstract it into something that's not really anything anymore. Hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. How does that foil against non-representational, though? Good question, because non-representational, I think you start, with, um, you start with nothing, and you end up with something that's maybe could be construed as abstract, but there was no image there before. Hmm. So a, a blank canvas and you're not, it's, you're not representing something like a portrait or a landscape mm -hmm. or a picture of a dog or something, you know, it's, yeah. it's something you have to actually look at and find for yourself as a viewer, what's in there for you. So that's non-representational kind of coming from nothing and then becoming ab, but you, but ab, it's not abstract. It's not abstract. Cause abstract I mean, needs to have started more from something. Yelp. You would okay. have to have an image, whether it would be a non-representational image or True. a representational image. And then you take that and abstract it into a... Mm -hmm. hmm. Is it more about like the meaning of the word abstract? I'm, I'm thinking about that now and how it maybe isn't as broadly applying as it gets used. Yeah, like uh, when people talk about abstract concepts like love or... Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, people don't people sometimes just take abstract to mean like anything that doesn't have a, a clear like when, when someone looks at a piece of art and it isn't like, you know, kind of like realism or something like that. I feel like a person who isn't really familiar with art might be like, oh, it's abstract, whereas Easy. it's kind of like, you know, there's a whole list of genres that a pe person who is really familiar with art might go after. Yeah. But that that actually makes a lot of sense to me about the the original subject uh having a lot to do with the artist's intent. Hmm. Does that is that's where you were coming from at that period of time. What is the art that you are currently making? Are you still working with uh, like tools that you made yourself or what are you working on now? Right now I'm mainly inspired by Bob Ross. Oh really? And I'm doing landscapes. Hmm. But I'm doing these landscapes with, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the technique is called. I, I know it's called a la prima because you do it all in one. Because Bob Ross did all those, um, all of his landscapes in like a half an hour right there in front of three cameras. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, where was I going with that? What well, you're working on now? What I'm working on now, landscapes with like um, fan brushes, liner brushes, a um, lot of palette work, palette knife work, I should say, palette knife work. Um, I've been working with a Bob Ross number 10 palette knife for mm. years and years and years because I had this thing where I was all hung up on brush strokes and like uh, I had to figure out how to not make brush strokes on my hmm. work. So I stopped using brushes. <laughs> started, I started using screeds and yeah. palette knife just really hit home for me. Cool. You can make happy little mountains. You can make trees. You can make yeah. Anything with a palette knife, and then you just open it all up to everything with the fan brush and the liner, nice. and it just all comes home. My my mom used to use a palette knife for some pieces. She's an artist, and I used to always like excitedly tell people about like, yeah, she used a palette knife for that one. It's pretty. It's neat. It was really cool to see the very um, what you could get with textures that was different from her. Um, oil paintings and stuff like that. I've seen uh, I've seen Ark paint with like literally everything from like corn on the cob to uh, uh, dandelions to fruit. I, I don't know. It's always crazy <laughs> to me what she comes up with. Anything you can scrape paint on with? Yeah, yeah, for real. Or get a texture out of? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You could put paint on an orange peel and print a. Yep. Mm -hmm. Make a print, make a million bucks. Triple Balls is a media and event production company based in southern Minnesota. We specialize in multicam live streaming and sound and lighting for event productions. Contact us today to learn more or subscribe online to join our newsletter and stay up to date about events and things going on in the area. Thanks for tuning in. Back to your show. What what was it about paintbrushes that that made you want to change? Was it just the? Uh, it was I was hung up on the because the piece I entered in the show is all done with a paintbrush, mm -hmm. and it just irked me that I couldn't get I couldn't get that two hairs and some air that Bob talks about where it just takes away the brush stroke somehow. Mm. But that's a different technique, all different equipment. That's what I was getting to before, mm. was Bob Ross is a wet-on-wet -wet technique with oil paints and specific brushes. Mm -hmm. My technique is to follow Bob with acrylic and brushes and mainly that palette knife. Mm. Sure. And how long has this been, like you said this is what you're currently doing, but how long have you been like going down this path for? Oh, since I could hold a crayon in my hand? Hmm. Yeah, I was really inspired by my dad when I was very young to do stuff like this. Yeah, and so you always knew that you wanted to be an artist? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, they used to ask me what I wanted to be when I was like around 13, 14 years old, and I would say, I want to be a starving artist. Hmm. Where I am. Starving artist. What is to tell everyone I wanted to be in the circus? What did you do? I wanted. To, I told everyone I wanted to be in the circus. When oh, I was a kid. Nah. <laughs> yeah. 
I can see you as a barker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely what? juggling stuff Top and hat. yeah, doing all sorts of stuff. Sorry, Jacob, what were you going to say? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, YouTube is a circus. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you're, you're basically there. It's getting easier to navigate once you don't have to deal with commercials if you yeah. pay for it. Mm-hmm. You pay for YouTube? Yeah. That's sick. Nice. I've never met anyone like that. I think all three of us are all mainly YouTube consumers. I'm a, yeah. I'm a big YouTube head. Yeah. yeah. It, it is true. I, I like YouTube. I also just brief shout out to Nebula because Whoa. I, 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 I do pay for Nebula. Base. Do you watch it much of it? I do. Like? Yeah, no. Oh, I thought we were I dropping think I might have paid names. for it at one point, but I I haven't watched much. Oh, I there's like a few there's a few creators that I really like on there. So like seeing them without art, like it, it's like twenty bucks a year or something. So it's yeah. like a education only uh, streaming service started by uh, like some YouTubers and other online creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes if I'm like, if I'm feeling like, oh, I don't know what to watch on YouTube, I'll go over there and I'll be like, well, there's nothing to watch on here. Like, maybe I should actually do something with my life. <laughs> <laughs> what? You didn't check Netflix first? Yeah. yeah no, I. Ooh, Netflix just got rid of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Let's 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 get back to art. You know. Yeah. Um, I I've seen you I've seen you do a bunch like the actually the last time. The last time that we had a conversation about art before this last one was probably when we put together that that time lapse. The time um, lapse. And I guess a lot of the work that I'd seen from you um, isn't exactly what I would think of as like, it is a lot of what I would think is non-representational. Because like, you know, uh, there, there was a while where I was looking at like a big unframed piece of yours that I had kind of wanted. And then I ended up with a different academic piece after you paid me for that time lapse with it. Mm-hmm. But how would, how would you describe uh, that type of work? Is, like, have you done kind of a lot of it's action painting? Yeah. What, what, what's that about? It's, uh, it's inspired by Jackson Pollock really. And letting the finding a different way to make a mark and using like I did with the time lapse, those spray bottles, and just pouring it on there, and watching it do what it does with gravity, depending on the angle. You know, is it straight up and down? Is it maybe forty-five? What kind of like? What is your planning process for a piece like that? Oh, my planning process. You just get this idea in your head and start working it. You know, you just, you got to run it by people. Hey, what do you think if I did this? Kind of like when I did that time lapse, that was just a Mm -hmm. flash in the pan. I just asked you about it because I knew you were an AV guy and. Well, was that, was that, that project all ended up in your, like you painted those for yourself personally, right? Those are like in your living room kind of now? The, the, the main piece is Five individual pieces, and that's hanging in my house right now. Mm-hmm. I have tried to sell at makers markets some of the triptychs that were in that time lapse uh, with no luck, mm. which is, I mean, that's I. I wanted to be a starving artist, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got to start. No. Everybody says, make prints of your work and sell those. Yeah. That's what Ark does, for sure. She sells quite a few prints. That's the way to go for that happy bug. Right. What? Go ahead. 
I was going to say, well, you know, like what motivates you to like, is it, is it, is it like a, you're just like compelled to the canvas? Yeah. That's something that I've always had to do to get, to get as effective with what the end product is for the audience. I want them to see and know what I went through to get through this process, like these things I brought you today. Sure. Hold a couple of these. These smokers, these are all academic work except for the one. That's a smoker right there. The smoker. This one is a... This one looks that like one else. is my COVID piece. That was what I did when I had COVID. Oh, I can see that. Call him COVID Carl. He's in bad shape, dude. <laughs> right. And then we got we got two more smokers here. Two more smokers. That I one's upside I'm... down, Jack. Oh, right there you there. go. And these are these these are prints. These are like postcards. Uh, yep, those are prints I had made. Like uh, everybody advised me to, and I just ended up giving them away. I think I sold one set for ten bucks at the bar one night when I actually like just got them done. I think I remember that. I think I remember you coming through with those. Yeah. Mm. But those—that's another situation of uh, academic and post-academic work. Those three smokers hmm. are all part of one piece, and it's all elements and principles. I can. Oh. I can shake it down as far as I mean I got an A in the in the grade on the grade yeah got super critique out of the deal what was uh what was some of the, your takeaways from uh art school like that you know what did would you learn there what what helps you as an artist today every single thing every failure the all the failures hmm all the failures and um, mis mistakes or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Yeah. Failures, mistakes. Really quickly, you went to failures and mistakes. Is that like a? Is that something? I mean, I, I've experienced that too with projects like that by trying stuff and struggling to succeed and then figuring out new ways. Is it just that like over repetitions you try stuff and Trial fail? And error. Yeah. And what is like? What did art school help help uh, you know encourage that failure? Was it just structured, structured stuff like uh, in 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 critiques? Like when you mm. bring garbage to a critique and they go, oh, "This is just garbage." Mm. We know you're better than this. Make go make something better. Mm. You know, go make something that we taught you how to make. Mm. But then you get to the point where you're you're at the same level as everybody else and you can't just sit there and be stagnant. Mm. So you have to go over the top Mm. with what you do. So you take it to a point and if you're not, I don't know what, I don't know if satisfied would be the right word. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's like what motivates you to go to art school in the first place. Like if that motivate patient also doesn't drive you, like push you into that place like you know what are you doing there yeah 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 because i i've i've met a lot of folks where it's like you know they're like oh i could go to art school and then some people are like well why don't you just make art and it's like well i mean there's 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 definitely like value in either path 
Hmm. Like people who go to art school, definitely. I see them making pretty awesome art and they're like 22, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I think both of them aren't worth doing unless you're doing the other anyway. Like uh, if you're only going to art school and you're not like exploring things on your own or if you're exploring things on your own and not making sure to educate yourself by going to galleries and reading and things like Mm -hmm. that, I think either way it's not going to work out. So I I think either one's fine. You just can't lose the other because you're doing uh, one of them. I actually uh, think, at least for me personally as an artist, two of the things that aren't both things that I dread but that actually push me the most are setting uh, restrictions and goals slash like due dates for stuff. Mm. Actually always pushes me really hard. And not to make the best thing, but it pushes me to flex those muscles and therefore get make them stronger whereas uh making a piece where i have nothing none of that is almost more like like a marathon it's more like putting in like a lot a lot of time to really make sure it's right uh Yeah, so I, I actually think restrictions and due dates are great for you as an artist to flex those muscles, which is really what it seems like those art schooling things are, besides obviously like teaching you like a, objective concepts and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a great mm-hmm. point. A lot of deadlines and well, it takes a lot of it takes a lot of self discipline to like set a de- a deadline for yourself, anyways. Like yeah. especially when you want whatever you do to be great, you know. But it's like, well, okay, I could, I guess I could just practice for like two years, yep. you know. <laughs> a lot of what you've got in your work is, is uh, like you said, either. So are these ones? These abs- are full-on representational. Those are representational. You're supposed to see a nose and a mouth and right. a cigarette. Okay. Yeah. So how do you how do you think about those like core? Um, art sort of uh, frameworks like lines or perspective? Every single piece I make, yeah, I think about it. In. I have to because, well, I don't have to. I just do it because I've been trained mm-hmm. to do it that way. Hmm. Like these, for example, the elements and principles are, you could teach a class with these four pieces hmm. about elements and principles. Balance and Balance, contrast. Form, and contrast, form. line, sure. movement, um, the rule of threes hmm. is a really good element and principle. That's what these are based off of. Okay. What is the rule of threes? It's when you take your composition and you Divide it by three. So you have nine squares instead of just one big square. Yeah. And you put the emphasis on one of the intersections of the lines you made. So the emphasis would be like right here. Oh, I see. I see. At this intersection. Like a tic-tac-toe. Hashtag. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Across the whole image. Yeah. And then the emphasis would be on one intersection. So if the emphasis is on this intersection, then the non-emphasis would be up in here. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. And they're all different, but they hang so that one emphasis is here, one's here, and one's here. Yeah. And then the non-emphasis is where there's a non-existing piece. Do you find that if you've like, uh, if you've gone through a piece and you've kind of forgotten a principle, that sometimes you find that as a solution to 
like a challenge you're experiencing with it like oh I need to add more balance or like maybe there's not enough line definitely but yeah I uh the piece I entered into the Carnegie show or that got accepted mm-hmm. there are so many mistakes and mm. things I would like if I want to go back and redo that I wouldn't just add a piece of canvas to the bottom and not truncate him. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like when you see it, you'll know after I said that I truncated him. Mm. That's like that's like against the rules mm. to truncate a self-portrait if it's a full, it's supposed to be a full body situation. Mm. I truncated him. Mm. Cut him off right at the right mid-thigh. Yeah. So if I would go back and redo that, I would start from scratch, but I would use some of the same techniques I did to make it in the first place, but I would not truncate them. I would be more anatomically um, aware. Hmm. As you look at it, too, you'll see that it's not muscles and sinews. It looks like muscles and sinews, Hmm. but they turn out to be more... uh, weird faces and robots and Hmm. shit like that. (laughs) This uh, creator I really like, uh, his name is Jacob Collier. Uh, He has this philosophy when he's like making music that I think applies kind of to what you're saying, how he says like to maintain like groove or to maintain like something being um, something relatable. Uh, you have to take all the elements of a song, let's say, like, key, rhythm, uh, swing, and BPM, and you have to pick, like, two of them that you're going to keep, like, foundational and, like, fundamental, and then pick the other elements and mess with those and push those to their limits and mess with them, but make sure to keep some element the same throughout uh, to maintain the groove. And I think that's a lot like visual art. Like uh, if your line work and your shading and your contrast and your rule of thirds is all off, it's going to be really hard to relate to it. So like, you really have to pick like, what am I pushing to like a new place to like make a statement? And a lot of times trying to do it all at once can just be too much. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. You end up with with something that's like almost like textbook example rather than like the art you wanted to show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, with with that said, uh like looking towards the future, um, like what kind of like like aspirational, like what kind of work would you like to be making? Um, or what kind of work do you plan to make in the next months or years? All the landscapes I've been doing are really small. And I just picked up some larger canvases, so I'm just going to go bigger with the landscapes. Um, somebody told me to go extremely large with my work one time. I can't remember who exactly it was, but she said, just go big. Mm. Just go really big with it. So I'm like, well, I've got a curtain in my house that's about as big as that. Hmm. So I've been that big, but that big to that big, a landscape with a limited 
situation. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more landscapes. I want to be able to do what Bob Ross did, but not with Bob Ross equipment, because I don't want to get cancer and die from like he did, that poor guy. Was it his equipment that did it? I don't know. Um, it was the... Was it like lead-based oil paints or something? It had to have been something. It oh. was the... They think it was when every time he cleaned his brush, he would beat the shit out of it. Yeah. You know? And they think it was the solvents and the oils and the, all everything all together that was going up in his face the whole huh. time. And he... he well, he died of some kind of cancer. Hmm. Dang. From the smell, the smell-free turpentine hmm. is still carcinogenic, I guess. For the, the future of your, just like sticking with landscapes and going with landscapes, small and large. Small, large. Um, yeah, a lot of happy little trees, mountains. Hmm. And are you working off of like photographs or are you? Uh, I'm just, uh, I, I follow along with a bu- episode of Bob Ross at least once a day. Oh, sick. It's only a half hour. Yeah. Um, I know you're a really big music fan. Um, is there any like specific genres or musicians or anything that inspire, or inspire your visual art pretty heavily? I don't think so, no. But, um, like, you mean, like, what do I listen to when I make? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to listen to jazz. I like to think it Hmm. increases my productivity, but um, I usually just got Spotify on on the shuffle function. I got the thousand song playlist and yeah. I just let it rock and it's got everything on there from I mean name it anything but acapella yeah <laughs> I mean, unless the uh, river blenders put out a CD or Spotify song I mean I do like the river blenders mm-hmm. as far as acapella goes mm-hmm. cool. well um, what uh so you what you mentioned the show date. The juried show was uh, was it October sixth? October sixth from five to seven. Okay, that'll well. be the the day after this comes out. So definitely get there if you can. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, rush to the Carnegie. Yeah, yeah cool. there's gonna be lots of cool work to check to check out there because you know there's a bunch of artists who are involved in it. So many, many. Well, is there anything else that we should touch on while we got you here? Anything you'd like to share? Uh, anything you've been thinking on, to- uh, talking about, working on? Um, no, nah, I'm just, I'm, as far as music goes, I'm trying to get my sound back from hmm. 1991. They reissued the Bluesbreaker Marshall pedal, and I have yet Jeez. to find a reissue or a past issue. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to get my sound back hmm. from 1991 because I got rid of that pedal. Ah, uh, yes. And now I have to get it back. Yes. If you could find an OG Bluesbreaker 
Marshall pedal. Yeah, I know what it looks like. I know what you're talking about. They're worth like $1,400. Yeah, pretty easily. <laughs> Burn. Yeah, yeah they haven't made brand. anything even in that. Like, I bought one brand housing. new. Housing. Hmm. 91. In 91. Sold it for 150 bucks. Was like really happy because I made $75. Yeah. Off a piece of equipment. I bet you Josh Ooh. from JHS has like six of them. I bet we. Oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. He's got them all. That's why you got, can't find one. He's got them all. <laughs> if you probably bought mine from the pawn shop. <laughs> I know JHS. I've been reading up on them too. If uh, you know, if you were a fruit or a vegetable, which one do you think you would be? Shit, man! Fruit or a vegetable? I'd be an orange. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good one to be. I'd be an orange. Why do you? Why would do you think you identify with the orange? Because if you take an orange peel and a lighter, and you squeeze the shit out of the orange peel and light the lighter, hmm. the juice that comes out. Is like flammable mm. and it burns real pretty. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, cures scurvy. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps away scurvy. Has loads of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes are good for vitamin C. Too. Yeah, mm. a lot of people don't know jalapenos are pretty good for vitamin C. Wow. They're good for that capsaicin. To get my sinuses <laughs> cleared up. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell, but I've been a little bronchial these last few days. Mm. Me too. These it's the allergies. It, it's it's uh, the allergy season. season. Yeah. I'm taking the allergy pill. Well, that, well, hey, thank you guys. Yeah, no, thanks, thanks for you. Us. And where, if people want to look at your work or find you, how can they? Uh, how can they do that? Man, I've been. I have seen no return on these business cards I have made. Hmm. Well, like, I, I use it to email you. <laughs> <laughs> you did? I did. Yeah. I, had, I have a business card oh in my, my office. Did you spell it right? Because you sent me a I message. I sent that message. Well, it's because I spelt it wrong, and then I looked at the card again, and I was like, oh, yeah, it was oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> I get so, people doing that all the time. No, it's Gus Chivas, not Gus Chivius. That's I thought it was Gus Chivius. And most people do. <laughs> at gmail.com. So if they want to get a hold of me, if, I've seen no return on these business cards at all, except for one time. Some lady called me from the Indian Lake, uh, Indian Creek Reserve down there by Red Jacket Trail and shit. Mm-hmm. I said, well, we found your business card in so-and-so's phone. Wondering if you know so-and-so. Nah. I'm like, well, thanks, but no. Want to buy some art? That's what they're for. You know, that's what I pass them out for is people to, yeah. you want to buy some art? Call me. Yeah. Can I give out my phone number on the show? Yeah, yeah sure. it's it's not against the rules, no. Really? Yeah, go for it. My name is Max Adams. I make beautiful paintings for your home. My phone number is 507-381-2011. I also have an email address that you can get from my business card if you call me. Mm-hmm. We'll have the editor put it right here. Oh, really? Put it right here. Here. Right over my face? Yeah, put it. hold your hand like this. Hold your hand oh, yeah. out like you're holding a tray. Okay, we'll have the editor put it right there. Yeah. Okay. There's your email. Yeah. Super. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, thanks the for coming editor. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Thanks for joining. Yep. Uh, thanks, homies. <laughs>